are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to be joined by somebody I now consider a personal friend. We've been uh, through many companies and many years talking to each other. So I am joined with Joe Burton. He is the CEO at Telesign. Joe, welcome to the program. Maribel, thanks so much for uh, having me on. So I thought we could get started by you telling us what Telesign does and what attracted you to the company. I've known you through many different companies that were related to communications in a lot of different ways. And uh, this is something related, but slightly different. So tell us about it. It is. So when I uh, when I became uh, aware of Telesign a couple of years ago, I was really excited by the mission. So Telesign actually connects, protects, and defends companies and their consumers and really enables all of us to live our online lives both more simply and more safely at the same time. So the idea of mobile digital security that's safe for literally everyone in the world was um, a mission that was uh, pretty easy for me to get behind uh, once I learned a little more about the company. You know what I think is so interesting about your company, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but uh, there are so many things that happen behind the scenes that individuals don't know about, and that even if you're a company, you might not have thought of. So that that's what I think is really interesting about your company. You actually take care of things that people don't necessarily see, and they don't see it because you do it in a seamless way. And I, I guess that leads me into, you know, clearly we're living in a different world today. We've talked a lot about the people being able to work anywhere, customers being able to access you on any device, anywhere, anytime. And I think if we go back like four or five years when we were talking about this, we said it, but I'm not sure we meant it. And then COVID happened and and it actually did really accelerate everybody's ability to do that. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what do we need to do to support issues such as digital identity, verification of individuals? These are things that as we move to a more digital world, I think have become more difficult for organizations to deal with. Any thoughts on that? Um, You know, that's um, really at the core of what we try to help with. It's a huge concern. I mean, when I think about letting people um, live their online lives the way they want, as you mentioned, Um, out of necessity, we're now all somewhat living the life we dreamt of. I mean, you can can work from one coast, the other coast, from a hotel room, from uh, anywhere around the world now. 
But as people have become more mobile and the smartphone has really become the primary device for, for really accessing everything, I mean, for accessing work, for accessing financial transactions, gaming, healthcare, in my case, I can't believe the things I'm interacting with my doctors about from a smartphone. It's super cool, but it's a little scary. Um, the, the trick of all this for companies and for individuals is the need for security, uh, the need for identity, being really sure Maribel is Maribel on Maribel's device, not some bad person that's, uh, that's impersonating you. The need for security is so much higher and the need for simplicity is so much higher. So we have this dual competing um, uh, need to do both at the same time. Um, I think step one for companies and for individuals is simply thinking about that, understanding the consequences, the primary consequences of the identity uh, being hacked, being stolen in a particular case, but also the knock-on effects. If I steal it here, can I use it there? You know, if I get Maribel's data here, what else can it be used for? So I'm super excited to be at a company that um, um, wakes up every day thinking about exactly this and how we can uh, how we can help with it. You know, it's it's so interesting that you said that concept of if I steal it here, can I use it there? Because I think sometimes we think mostly within the flow of something. Well, if your password got compromised in some app or service you don't use, whatever. But that shows up somewhere else on the dark web, and next thing you know, uh, and then and then it comes down to the other parts of the system protecting you because they've already got your credentials. So if they already have a certain aspect of credentials, what other aspects of the system can protect you? And I think this gets a lot into the concept of you know, without necessarily tying it to a person per se, the concept of how do we, I don't want to say profile an individual, but maybe it's more about the visibility and intelligence that we're seeing right now. And I'm wondering when you think about that, one of the things that people always associate that with that is this term AI, and it yeah. appears to play a large role in this. So I'm wondering if when you think about this, do you think about this as AI um, is there some is there some other way you describe it? And then the thing that always also comes up in these discussions is what's the reality of what AI can and can't do? So there was a lot of questions there. That was a very analysty kind of thing where you throw three questions at the guest at one time. But I'm going to let you parse it and answer whichever one you want. Well, you know, there's a couple in there I'd love to I'd love to answer. I'll I'll start at the product and then maybe go a little bit to how I think about AI, if you will. So first of all, um, you know, you you jumped right to it as you always do on the the um, if you once you have Joe's credentials, can you use it someplace else? But it's actually harder than that. It's that whole can the bad people stitch stitch together a profile of Joe that is good enough for someplace else. So it's credentials, it's places I've lived before, it's the kind of phone I have, it's the places I usually hang out. So the problem with this is I think at Telesign, when we started thinking about this problem, we think about this in terms of, well, okay, one factor is clearly not good enough, 
Should we do two factors? Should we do three factors? Should we do four factors? And the reality is for the individual, you talked about what's happening behind the scenes. For the individual, I think the the number of factors the individual can deal with is like zero, one, or two. Okay, you cannot be asking the individual 19 things. Or <laughs> Are they going to use the same factors on every single website, which defeats the whole purpose? Okay, so as Telesign, we start looking at, okay, well, how can we understand not two factors, not three factors, but what are all the factors? They're, the factors are, and it's not Joe, but people like Joe. How does their phone move? How do they interact on the website? And what's his mother's maiden name? And this, and that, and the other. And when you start talking about looking at maybe two or three thousand factors in less than a second as somebody is trying to um, um, uh, interact over the web, the only way to ke- to keep up with that avalanche of data, the only way to build a behavioral profile of Joe is with AI, doing this with procedural programming or to go way back at database lookup. It's just too much data. It's too slow. It won't work. So I've been super excited. Um, I, I know you're fascinated by all, all parts of AI, including natural language processing, image right. recognition. That's a little more the world I was in a couple of years ago. What I love about Telesign is it's kind of a different layer of AI. I mean, I'm not looking deeply at an image to decide if this is a dog or a goat. It's more, how do we look across billions and billions of pieces of information, often in 100 milliseconds, to be um, really sure, really fast, anywhere in the world, that this is likely to be Joe traveling, not some bad guy that's, uh, that's stolen part of his identity. So I'm super excited as uh, AI as a tool to make this work. There's so many things in there that are interesting. One of the things you brought up, I think, is the speed. And I think that's a real value add of looking at what AI can deliver. Even if it's not perfect, the speed at which it comes up with some level of confidence as to who I may or may not be is uh, really important. And then I think the other interesting thing about AI is the learning over time, right? Because you mentioned the concept that most of the organizations I speak with, you know, for a while we're talking about data, everybody has data, everybody has analytics, but they just need to do it better and they need to do it faster and they need to have um, the ability to learn and retrain. And I think now the interesting thing is we can purchase products that have AI in them and we're getting the benefit of you know, multiple data sources coming together and training something and making it more accurate and creating new and interesting models. So I'm actually really excited with the power of what we've created right now. So that's, you know, there, there, there is always the danger that, you know, we think AI could do everything, right? (laughs) Maybe we've, maybe we've gone a little too far with it in some areas, but 
I think the power of it has been really interesting. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, you're out talking to a lot of different customers and I'm speaking with a lot of different customers as well. And I think they struggle with what are the kinds of questions they should be asking to understand and evaluate different products today. Because from where I sit, every pitch I get has, well, we have AI. We have industry-leading AI, I think is the phrase that is most used in a pitch to Lopez Research at this point in time. And I'm like, well, if everybody has industry-leading AI, then, well, okay then. <laughs> but, uh, you can't all be right. <laughs> yes, yes. So even I struggle with that not being a data scientist per se and testing all the products myself. But when you talk to companies... What do you tell them is important? Yeah, you know it's a it's it's a great question. There's uh, there's several kind of packed in there too. Um, before I get to what I tell companies, even when I'm evaluating any technology, but boy, this this seems to go double for AI, and it's so misunderstood. You have to, as good as AI is at getting better over time. It gets better at whatever you asked it to do, okay? So today, and okay, I'm sure there's some researcher somewhere that can call me wrong, but in business software today, you know, the analogy for, you know, human being is, you know, you get better and better at playing the piano over time. It doesn't mean that that suddenly you know how to play the guitar. Okay, so AI gets better at the task you asked it to do and the data you, uh, you, uh, you, uh, you gave it. So I tell people, I tell people that, um, you know, specifically when we're talking about an AI and everything has industry-leading uh, AI, I ask vendors fairly contrarian questions, including um, including my very gifted engineering team, because, you know, they're my vendor. I'm the customer of their work. So specifically, what decisions uh, is the AI making? Why is that better than a simple decision tree you could build in normal software? You know, um, sometimes the answer is, it's not, but we just assume Lopez Research is looking for AI right now. But why is the AI better? And really one of the key, key pieces for me going forward, and uh, you'll hear me bang this drum a lot, why is it better? Specifically, what's it for? How does the AI explain its decisions? How does the AI explain that it decided Maribel should be allowed to withdraw money, not allowed to withdraw money, your credit score went up or down, whatever the heck it is we're doing? How does it explain it back to the rest of the software, to the vendor, and ultimately to the company and all the way to the consumer? I think this is a key, key issue um, for me going forward. You know, you actually picked up on one of what had been one of my next questions, which is on explainable AI. And I think that's something that in 2022, we've started talking about pretty extensively in 2023. I think that everybody should be inquiring um, with their technology vendors about the explainability of different things so that they can understand how certain insights or decisions were created, because at some point they might need to defend their technology and what it's done and why it's done that. And 
easier to know ahead of time than to do it later. Now, Joe, you've been always, I think the reason I ask you four questions at once is because I know that you could answer so many things and we've, we've known each other so long. I don't feel scripted with you. Uh, but I am curious now, you've always had your, your beat on the street. What, it's, what excites you in the technology space now? You know, whatever you want to talk about it could be related to your product, other products, just what do you think is interesting that people should be looking at? You, you know, there's so many interesting things out there. I mean, I am kind of um, way down the AI rabbit hole right now, of course. I mean, understanding exactly how to use AI explainability, etc. Um, I'm big on, uh, you know, passwordless security so we can have these uh, safe experiences online. I'm trying to dig deeper into uh, metaverse topics. But I think when I, um, uh, yeah, all the things I do in my spare time when I'm not running a 700-person company. But uh, I think for me, when I kind of extract it all, what's exciting me right now is in the digital world, um, almost everything is becoming plentiful. Meaning, you know, there's a lot of processing power. There's a lot of applications. you got an amazing near supercomputer in your pocket. Um, for me, almost everything is becoming plentiful except for human attention. Ooh, yeah. No, point. no, this is really important to me. Yeah. I, I've been spending a lot of time over the last year or so thinking about my surface attention versus my deep attention when I'm actually not just servicing my imaginary cues, but when I'm actually deeply thinking about things. So I think a lot about how can we outsource more surface decisions, more statistical analysis to like reliable, explainable AI systems and free up our attention for the deeper thoughts where the real innovation happens. So I'm a bit fascinated. It's a little contrary to other people. I'm both scared of AIs and I'm trying to figure out how I push more to the AI so I can be free for the real quality, um, for the connections either in myself or with other people. It's so interesting you say that because I think it gets a little bit at the heart of the problem of thinking about what does AI do versus what does a human do? And I know there's been a lot of talk in the industry about AI replacing humans, but I think what you bring up is this point of, um, there's a book by Cal Newport, Deep Work, that you've probably read at some point in time. And I, I've been trying very hard to figure out, similar to you, are there things you can automate so that you're not working on that and you have time to do the deep work, you have time to do the connections, you have time to think about what would be the things that differentiate your company, your personal life, whatever it is. And I think that's very important work. And it doesn't surprise me that you picked up on that theme at all. But I think more people need to think about that. And I did a podcast for my Reimagined Hybrid Work podcast, and it was about the biggest thing I did to produce my, uh, to increase my productivity in 2022. And it was basically, I made a meeting free day. And it was like, it doesn't mean I'm not working. It's just like, this is a day that's a meeting free day. And it's allowed me to really catch up on, on some of those things that are more related to um, 
under having that attention span to do the things that matter. And I was getting very fragmented with all the social media and all the meetings and everything. And, you know, the nibble to death by duck syndrome, where it was like every (laughs) half hour to 15 minutes, you were blocked at something like, I can't stand it. I need a day of just like where my mind can just be free. And so that's, that's where I came out on that one. Um, Now I usually end the podcast with um, a recommendation of a book, a podcast, an activity or a place you'd like to recommend to the audience. It doesn't have to be technology related, but just tell me what you'd like to recommend and why. Uh, you know, um, I'm actually going to, um, I, I thought about this a little bit. I, I, of course, listen to your podcast. I think it's fabulous. I enjoy all the uh, uh, all the uh, talks that you have with really interesting folks. Um, I'm going to go almost the opposite of what you would expect me to say. Ooh. You know, we were talking about human attention being so important and being so uh, so uh, scarce, if you will, these days. I find that my attention, a little bit like uh, physical conditioning, my attention gets out of shape. So I'm, I can be at a spot where if I've been in this multitasking online world almost nonstop, God, I can only hold my attention for five minutes until I want to test switch and do something else. And then if I focus on having these quality moments, um, I can get from five minutes back to 15 minutes to a couple of hours. Um, my best technology innovation is, is right now is happening Um by spending more time in nature with no technology with me. Sitting around my house is okay, but I think maybe I'm just swimming in technology, be it, uh, you know, be it, you know, AIs on Alexa or whatever, and my smart uh, watch and on and on. I've been spending a little bit more time going for walks, runs, hikes, whatever, up in the mountains, but... I don't take my smartphone. I don't even take my smartwatch. I mean, just really being away. And um, it's interesting after a half an hour or 45 minutes, seeing what sifts and is taking my attention at that point tends to be things that are actually important. So my uh, technology tip of the day is uh, no technology. I love it. I love it so much. People have been talking about forest bathing and all sorts of other things. And that's kind of it. You know, all, just, right, all right. I got to go figure out what that even is. <laughs> that's, ba- that's basically getting out in nature without anything and just kind of experiencing it, right? Really experiencing it, not taking a bunch of photos of it or other stuff, you know, just being. And that's when your best ideas come out. So congratulations on being able to do that. I'm still working on it. I still... I have periods where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go without the phone for 12 hours, see what happens. <laughs> you know, it, it's a process. There, there, There's days when it causes me enough anxiety that it's not, um, that it's not worth the effort. And uh, I'm better off to, uh, I'm better off to go back to the digital world and take care of business. Absolutely. I'm with you. Well, Joe, as always, a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I look forward to seeing you again in person soon. Such a pleasure. Looking forward to it, it, Maribel. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at 
AIwithML.com slash podcasts. Until next time, wishing you all the best. Mm-hmm.